0: This is episode 51 with Kate Brenton.
1: Hello and welcome to the Love Yourself to Happiness show. We are your hosts, Maya and Michaela, and we are lifestyle strategists for moms. We absolutely love helping moms just like you to uplevel your lifestyle, mindset, career, and relationships and helping you to fill your cup up so that you can be the best version of yourself and achieve anything that you want. Think of this podcast as your personal development tool where each week you'll get an infusion of tips, resources, and methods from our favorite leading experts that will inspire you to harmonize motherhood and become an empowered woman. All this information is free, so please subscribe to and review our podcast. We also want to invite you to join our free private Facebook group called Energized Mama Tribe. We are also offering a free masterclass, five steps to get 10 or more hours of purposeful time to harmonize motherhood and your personal identity. Lastly, we're offering free breakthrough calls with us to help implement the tools we teach you in the class. You can find all this information by visiting mayaandmikaila.com. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, sit back, and welcome to Love Yourself to Happiness show.
0: Kate Brenton, Polynesian Lomi Lomi practitioner and master of education, inspired educator and writer of The Unspoken, lives by coastally sharing an aloha-based perspective on living in balance. She has one-on-one and in-workshop retreat formats, a former East Coast public educator and corporate trainer who walked into a different world and stayed there. She now carries forward the cultural mindset of Paola, Hawaii, to enjoy the moment at hand as a practitioner and curious student of life's constant instruction.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. And here with us, we have Kate Brenton. I'm so, so excited to get to know you and learn more about your specialty. Um, so to kind of dive in, can you share with us a little more about how you got into do the work that you do?
2: Sure. It's actually a really great story. Um, I was on the island of Kauai. I had just moved there. And a lot of people don't know that it's a really um, it's beautiful and there's so many waterfalls. But it's actually really wet and there's mold. And I was cleaning a house with bleach, and I got sick, and I didn't know it. And there was a health fair on island, and um, they had said, there was, there's um, someone there that can help you. And there was a man standing in the corner with a big round belly in the Fu Manchu, and he turned around, and he said, oh, this girl's sick. And he started to do adjustments on me at the health fair, and his name was Alva Andrews. And the next day he was doing um, a talk because it was a cultural affair. It was, it, it, it was kind of like a really low key expo on different modalities. And um, I, I remember him saying that and I remember feeling better and I thought I gotta go check this guy out. And I found out that he was a kumu, which is the Hawaiian word for teacher. Um, he was a kumu of lomi lomi. And I went to that talk and that began a five and a half year apprenticeship um, with him learning the Hawaiian art of Lomi Lomi. That's how it started.
1: Oh, I love it. Can you share with us what the Lomi
2: Lomi means? Sure, sure. It- um, so it's interesting because like in a, a lot of things, Lomi Lomi actually in, in Hawaiian, it just means like massage, massage is a repetitive word. And some people will even say, that that terminology of it was used after um, it started to get populated with outsiders. And it was actually to, and it was oversimplification because the Hawaiian culture actually had a health system that included over 47 different modalities of practitioners. Just like we would go to like a a general practitioner doctor that says, you should go to an ear specialist or a chiropractor or this. And through the years of cultural depression, one of the only things that was really left were the Lomi Lomi practitioners. Not the only, I'm not trying to say, you know, over glorify it, but as the culture kind of got replaced with westernization, Lomi Lomi was one of the last practices standing and it kind of covered a lot of like the medicinal properties and um, different modalities of healing the body. So that's a little bit of a cultural background, which I think is important when you're not of a culture to speak at least a little bit to it. And I'm definitely not. Um, I can't be a full representative, but I like to let people know there's more to it than just going to like a Marriott and getting a little massage. There's like a lot more to it, right? Mm-hmm, so Lomi right. Lomi and its massage itself, when you meet with someone, the idea is, is where your mind, spirit, and body can connect. So if you are ready for change, Lomi Lomi can be a very physical experience that can connect all three of those. But... Um, if you're not, it can just be a really rejuvenating little experience where you feel good afterwards. There's a depth that's available depending on where the client wants to go. What it looks like is uh, stretching, um, body manipulation, so it's, it's more um, firm, and oil massage. And the oil massage is normally, in our tradition, is the last step of the process, and it's more like putting the beautiful adornment on, on the package where everything's smoothed oh. out and you feel that connection reignited.
1: Nice. So what kind of um,
2: healings does it assist in? This might sound pompous, and I don't mean it so, and I'm not saying that I'm a practitioner of the caliber that could do it, but I would say anything. I've Any. seen, I have seen in the clinic that I worked in, I have seen, um, I'll tell you something that's hu- really humbling. Um, I saw someone that was terminal cancer and I thought I said she left and she looked so much more peaceful. And I said, Oh, does that mean she's going to get better? And um, my teacher said, "Mm-hmm." and I looked at him and he said, healing doesn't always look the way we think it looks. Mm-hmm. So her piece in her journey is healing. Right. Someone's um, you know, I've seen people that have had um, like problems with fertility become fertile and they're like, Oh, you made me fertile. Or, Did we have you talk to your husband or your partner who you're trying to create a family with? And did we have you come back into your body self and relax your mind to think about what it is to bring a person into this world? And did that allow you to then move forward to make the steps you need to to become pregnant? Very big conversations. I, I mean, I guess it's kind of funny. I'm going this way with you guys. So you could just go for peace of mind and relaxation, but I have had people say that it's a modality if the practitioner is in any, in any healing modality, if the practitioner is more dedicated to a larger ideal than themselves, there are infinite possibilities.
1: Got it. Got it. And Maya and I are huge believers in the body, mind, and spirit. And especially in our coaching, you know, health is not just one dimension with just eating healthy foods. Totally. It's healing thoughts and touch and relationships and boundaries and, you know, Nature. just... <laughs> Nature, I mean,
2: it's necessary,
0: right? We're
1: so
2: connected. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So, when you, I wanted to talk a little bit more about, you know, the kind of logistics of Lomi Lomi and how how a session might work. But and then I would love to talk a little bit more about how how before the interview, how you talked about how we're we're so not connected with our bodies or outside of our bodies sure. in our, in our culture. So, but I would love to hear a little bit about how, you know, a session with you and doing Lomi Lomi, um, would work like, yeah, logistically. So
2: logistically, yeah. what that looks like is, um, someone, um, finds out and they make a phone call and I ask them what their, you know, how their body self is feeling. How are they sleeping? How are they eating? Do they enjoy the work that they do? And I, um, on the East Coast, I often ask a lot about their work because sometimes the body's um, ailments will be connected to where the pain is in the body cell. Then um, the first session would normally have uh, stretching or um, energy work affiliated with it. And then you could have just one session and that would normally be the end. If someone comes with a larger session, you do energy work and adjustments the first session Maybe the second, the third session is an oil massage, and it's almost like you've um, opened the body with the intention, you've seen how far you can take the body, you let the person adjust to that, you come back a second time, see what else the body wants to reveal, and then you sort of, um, on the third session, it's almost like saying thank you. There's a lot of things in today's modality where I have a problem, I heard you can help, here's money, fix it. But a lot of our problems go deeper than that. So in an ideal situation, when you have multiple sessions, um, it helps the body kind of open up to to layers. Like I might have someone say, oh, this is a problem, but "Oh, but I did hurt my shoulder the day I found out I was getting divorced. Okay, so did you hurt your shoulder, right? Um, And I'm speaking to that also because we don't like people to come infinitely. So when somebody hears three sessions, it's like, oh, you want me to come all the time? And that's actually... Not the idea either. The idea is to help someone with what they want to um, get rebalanced with and then let them come back to you for proactive care or be available when necessary, but not to be a crutch if
0: that's helpful. Nice. Right. Right. I mean, I think that's kind of ideal. You know, I I know in our, you know, (laughs) United States medical system, that's certainly not how it works, but it's always lovely when when a practitioner is like I hope that I don't have to see you again <laughs> you know <laughs> versus like I hope that you come back regularly that way I can continue making money off of you right so yeah that alone can truly can want to feel body
2: just feel different right if someone says to you you know I really care about you and give me a call but you know you're like oh oh you know, you, you're believing in that. Per- I mean, and I don't mean to say for anyone who's listening and doesn't know me in such a short period of time, that any ailment can easily heal. That is not where this is going either, right? This is just to say that if you're addressing something that you have possession of and you're ready to work on and it's av- available to be worked on, that's the way to address it, right? I don't want to be flippant because a lot of us are born in different places and spaces in our bodies that it's not that easy, right? So we want to yeah. say that too.
0: Yeah. Right. And right. Right. So Kate we talked a little bit before the interview about how you had been uh practicing in Hawaii mm-hmm. but then you had you had your, your little one 9 months ago so you've been in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and how your teacher had talked to you about you really should bring this practice to the United States or mainland United States. That's right. It is the mainland. That's right. Yeah. Uh, right. So, talk to us a little bit about that because Lomi Lomi is very, very common in Hawaii. Yep. So, there's probably a lot of competition between <laughs> practitioners. No,
2: there is. Yeah. Um, especially if you're right
0: here. You know? yeah. Right. So, whereas here in the United States, mainland <laughs> United States, there's probably not very many people with your skill set. So how, how is it different than, you know, when you were practicing in Hawaii versus here in the United States? What do you notice? Um, That's a great question.
2: Um, in, in Hawaii, what would be more difficult is feeling um, awkward being not of the culture and, and practicing of the culture. Since I, um, I do one thing that made me, it makes me different as a Lomi practitioner is that I had, um, what they call like a cultural, like um, like a ceremony that a lot gave me permission to teach this. It wasn't like I just went to a workshop, but you still understand that um, because I'm not Hawaiian and I am of European descent, then I kind of have a, um, you know, a different time with it, right? So that would be the difficulty in Hawaii. But the good, the thing that made it easy is my teacher was known and everyone knew what Lomi was. So it was approached in a very um, open hearted, easy family kind of way east coast i realized there was a lot of education and people were more interested in the um exotic aspect of lomi but that keeps them away from their body self, right like oh i bought this really cool thing that she does in hawaii as opposed to oh, it's more ego. yeah and right. what was great is like all of our sessions talk start with talking so i literally would have clients come in and they would i'd sit in the chair and they'd be like almost ready to take their clothes off and i'm like Oh, we're not taking our clothes off first. And uh, I realized uh, that I have have to start to educate them. They're like, why not? And I thought, oh, right, because this is really vulnerable, right? For me to talk to, it's going to be even more vulnerable if I know you when you're on the table, right? right. If, you're, um, if we've talked about that you're not getting along at work and then, and then you're on the table, as opposed to there was a the financial transaction and you're face down and you're still in control of the session. Right. It was a mind-blowing idea because we weren't allowed and when I say it loud, he was very old school. He was very open hearted, but it was old school style of learning. Like, this is how we do it. And so when I came to the East Coast and I had to start teaching people to talk or teaching people to like, like I had one client that I had to tell her that I can't work on you today. I'd worked on her before. I'm like, I can't work on you today. And it was hard to say that. And she said, why? I'm like, because there was no body availability. And I, and I said, it's out of integrity for me to take your money if your body's not allowing me to touch it and Mm -hmm. she was shocked and I said go home and I told her okay this is crazy this is true I told her to um be outside in the same place for 10 minutes a day for 10 days and come back and I knew where she lived and she's like you want me to drive to a park and I said what does your home look like she lived on two acres she was so disconnected she didn't even think about her own home right Mm -hmm. so she went home and had breakfast she said to me for um five of the days she walks into the session and she goes to me she's like his name is bob and I thought, oh, who's Bob? She said, the tree. I'm this woman standing out back, and I start talking to this tree. And you know what I found out? I said, what? She goes, I'm angry. I'm tired of doing laundry for three boys and my husband. I'm, and she, the whole, I had no idea that was going to work. I had no idea that was going to work. But she was my first insight on, like, it sounds like some of you might have been to Hawaii or you have connection to nature. And when you're out with nature, you can't hide You know, but when you're in control of your environment all the time and you're on your phone and everything is easy, it's so much easier to push the emotions down. Well, she spent 10 minutes in silence by herself at her tree and all the things she didn't want to admit came up. Yeah. So that's when I started to like change how I did work on the East Coast. Mm. Really simplified.
1: Hawaiian is very like nature based. And I think people are way more in tune with their body. Maybe. Right. I haven't been. But over here, even with um, like the medical system, the doctors don't really ask you any questions, right? So yes, one thing is they have you keep you know, coming back. If this pill doesn't work, then come back and get this one. But nobody really gets down to the root cause. And I think people are okay with it because it's like it's giving them more time to not have to talk about anything.
2: And I think we've been conditioned that you'll just feel worse when you get older. Now, of course, the body's going to deteriorate. But if you go to some places where people are empowered, like Hawaii or, um, you know, some of the warmer climates or active climates, you're going to see older people maybe not have the flexibility of a 20-year-old, but the light in their eyes and their vibrancy blows away Mm -hmm. a 40-year-old on the East Coast that was working 60 hours a week and, you know, and has no...
1: And some might have that flexibility. I mean, if they practice, if they're in tune with their body, like I am, so intentional with the way I do things, and I started to practice yoga, you know, early on, and like I don't think I'm gonna stop. And I think you know my body actually gets better with age, and that that is my wow. mentality. And I know um, Dr. Christian Northrup talks about this a lot, you know, and she has a book, Goddesses Never Age, and. She says, you know, it's just such a mind, um, it's a mindset shift, and we're conditioned to, you know, when we have older parents to help them with everything, well, that's taken away their strength, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's just so many different things that we actually do physically that take away from our, our power when we get older, but you said something, you know, people aren't empowered, so like, what does that mean to you um, when you're fully in your power? Um, and getting older, well, like, what is a proper mindset for that?
2: That you still have value. Value, yeah. Mm. I think it's because if you want to say that someone's healthy in their seventies and you're like, well, they can't do it, you know, and your and your only value is youth, then there's no way an elder can be a value. But if you if they have been if they understand their value and they're in a community of value. I mean, it's been, I can't quote a study, but there's studies and when people live, you know, there's that, but that value and purpose makes us more passionate and active people and your health will reflect that. And the health will be relative to your body health. That's the other thing. Everyone's healthy isn't the same. Like I've worked on people in different places. We've worked in Japan. I've worked in Hawaii. I've worked I've clients on the West Coast and East Coast traveling a lot. And I started to see that like different geographic places would kind of have some of the similar stresses because the mindsets are different than the body approaches are or, di- you know, kind of the same, like your work mentality, or if you live in a cold climate versus a warm climate. So it's not one paradigm of empowerment, but I would say if you have mm-hmm. value then you, then, then everything else kind of falls into place. Like you're not complaining that you might have a bad back. Mm-hmm. You're learning how to be flexible with it and that's keeping you younger. Right? Like that's not- kind of more what, what health can look like.
1: Absolutely. So that's one of my goals. Mm-hmm. so can yeah. you share with us a practice that uh Maya and I or our listeners can do to I guess tune in to the Lomi Lomi spirit or or yeah. you know with what we have is there a tool that you can share yeah. with us
2: I would say start to connect with nature okay love it and I think everyone like that woman wants to say oh I have a park I can drive to and it's like is there like, I live in the deep city of Philadelphia now. I went from having no electricity, like, no street lights, to living in a city grid. And paying attention to what is locally around you with nature will start mm-hmm. to reflect back to you how you feel. And right. that will keep you grounded, right? And especially as women. And that's for men and women, but there's a deep reciprocity between women being connected to nature and being connected to themselves. Mm. So, Right. You can kind of use that as a reflection because sometimes, even in our most intentional practices, we stay on track if we have a reflection and accountability. You can let nature around you be that, and it sounds totally woo-woo until you realize it's actually how we were living for centuries before we connected. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um,
1: So, what are some ways to connect with nature? I know.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's great. So, one thing could be like if. Some of, not all of us have access to even an outside of our home. You know, that's just true. So if you don't have that, you can have one little plant. You can go to get one succulent and you can talk to that one succulent in your kitchen. If you have a little bit more, you might have a a, a backyard that has concrete, but you might have like a sunflower or you plant, if you're not good at something, you know what I mean? You could have like one shrub out there and you could have your coffee or you could journal out there. You could journal with the plant And someone else, um, they picked a tree uh, or they started to notice there was a a tree in their development. So every time when they came home, they just started to notice. They just started to notice. And it can be easy. And and if you have more nature available, you know, if you can spend some barefoot time on the earth, even when it's been rainy or dirty or a little bit cold, you'll get a lot more information and um, you don't have to run out and buy a book to learn how to do it. You just (laughs) put your feet on the ground that's all you have and to how, do how,
1: so how do you talk to a plant or a tree you just kind of start simple, it might and simple.
2: Know it and start with noticing I want, uh, here's a great practice I, this will be a great way to end um, in one of the writing workshops I had led I had people go outside and pick a plant and sit with it and observe it and they're like okay and then mm. I told them now let the plant observe you
1: oh. <laughs> I love it
2: and see nice. what you feel. And that's a great place to start. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. Awesome. Yeah. I can really resonate with that because I, I have a, a morning routine where I meditate and I journal. And I, the, the, first, the very first thing I do is like a 12-minute uh, yoga sequence. Mm-hmm. And when I have the opportunity, I do it outside. So I'll do my yoga and then I'll meditate. And usually after that, I'll come inside. And the difference that I feel in my body when I do the outside yoga sequence and meditation versus inside is huge. I mean, I, there was a major shift of just having those practices at all in my life. Sure. But when I have that little gift where I can go outside and do it, where, and for me, that's, I'm a single mom. If my kids are not here, then I will do all it. Right. If not, I don't want them to like be trying to look for me outside away from my practice if I'm worried about them. So that's how I decide. So, but I've noticed this huge shift where if I'm able to do that connection, especially first thing in the morning, that is super helpful. But one of my questions is, is, you know, you said, get your feet on the ground even if it's a little cold outside. I live in Maine. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that the other day about how much I'm really loving summer and being able to be outside more and how much I struggled last year with the winter, like from November until April or May, I had a real hard time. So, do you have any suggestion? I mean, I have some house plants and things like that. So, could it be, you know, in October, kind of create a little sanctuary of plants inside my house to kind of prepare for winter? Yeah. Oh, I like. That I love that connect. idea. Yeah. I love
2: that idea, and I'll tell you, I um, when I was transitioning, being being because I was purposely never here in the winter for obvious reasons. And I was teaching, um, and it had been a long time, Even know, I'm from Philadelphia, it had been a long time since I'd been in winter. And there was one day I was going to teach a workshop, and it was snowing so hard. And I was like, I don't want to go. And I don't <laughs> not want to do my thing. But I just, I was, and then I remembered um, that everyone thinks of Pele with Hawaii, but there's actually a snow-topped mountain on Big Island, and it's Puliahu. And I thought, oh, wait, this is an elemental force, too, snow. It doesn't make me want to be outside. I'm not going to, like, say, oh, I remembered this one story, and it changed but it reminded me like I need to make friends with the cold because I was in major resistance with it. So what I would, I, I buy a lot more cut flowers in the winter. That's how I keep my sanity, right? Like you have, I have a lot of succulents inside and I buy cut flowers, but it's also like sometimes remembering where it is in the cycle. And for me, like, you know, like Kate Northup talks a lot about cycles and moons. It might even be like connecting with the moon because you can do that inside, but you can still stay connected to the cycles when you can't really enjoy things the way you normally do in summertime. Right. Because um, I'm definitely affected by winter. So what I, what I did personally is I still went hiking um, in the winter for smaller periods of time because that's how much I need um,
0: nature. I need nature. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think being mindful of that too as it approaches, it's, it's yeah. really but now I have a
2: small child and my time is different. So I want to also say like that I had freedom to like run outside and bundle myself up and not worry about how cold he would be. So I want to keep it grounded as well and say, I don't know what I'll do this winter, you know?
0: Right, right, right. Yeah.
1: yeah. But you'll have that intention. And I love that idea how Maya asked how to prepare for winter. If you know that you your energy shifts, which most people I think they do, but mm-hmm. to be able prepare and instead of just you know right now we could have our crystals as we do yoga or tea or whatever but like yeah like just hang out with your with your plant and and just connect with it i think that's super cool i've never i've never had it like you know put that way but you know i mean there's the reason why plants are in the house right and and yeah. if you give them a purpose or even in your mind to set that intention to connect to nature i think that's pretty cool yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you kind of shared a success story with a client, how, how she connected to her tree um, yeah. outside. Um, what was her transition that happened um, that she needed to go through?
2: That's a great question. Um, what she decided, and it might not sound like a really big deal, but it was to her. She stopped. She realized she wasn't being heard in her household, and she didn't. Mm. Her children were older, and her husband she just feels like that everyone kind of um, got into that one category of she was taking care of everything. And, and it was, you know, they were teenagers. So her transition, she said, with some chagrin, she goes, this might not sound that big to you, Kate. She said, but I said, if the laundry doesn't make it to the laundry room anymore, I don't do it. And she said it really made her feel empowered because she drew a boundary and they listened. And I said, no, I can't say her name. I said, no, but that actually is something that works. When someone tells me they're going to change their whole life, I'm like, um, okay, you know, but when you tell me you stopped doing laundry for four people in your household, I say, that's actual change, right? Yeah. Something small is actual change. So that's what she did. She said it with one of her sons that took a little bit longer, but she never caved in. And of course the person for her that was the hardest to convert was her husband, um, mm-hmm. but she didn't cave in with him either. And she felt really great about it. And that was her success. And I was really proud that we found that together because that's something that changed for her Doesn't and, to big.
1: Yeah. And she stepped into her power. She felt she
2: empowered, did.
0: which is awesome. Which is it. it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. Right. Great. Thank you for sharing. So do you have a book that you would recommend to our listeners? Um, yes. I love to read.
2: So let me think of if someone is interested in Hawaiian, is Interested in Hawaiian culture. Kiana Davenport's Shark Dialogue is a fictional story that really helps you tap in. But if you're, sorry, my little guy is talking, Um, but if you're looking for something that's like uh, inspirational, Change We Must by Nana Very N-A-N-V-E-R-Y. She's an elder that's no longer, yeah, Change We Must by Nana Very. Okay. Awesome,
1: awesome, awesome, and you guys, I wish you could see you. You're so amazing. <laughs> She's like feeding her child and, and like just holding a conversation. It's it's amazing.
2: Hi, oh, thank you for saying that. Say, Hi, Auntie. Hi.
1: <sighs> so, to conclude, um, would you be able to share with us three things that you're most recently grateful
2: for? Well, the first is my son, Aaron Makama Bakalov, because I never thought I would become a mom. Uh, my second thing I'm grateful for is that I get to do what I love, even when I don't believe I can do it anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and the third thing
2: I'm grateful for, actually, is that I can, prior to having him, I would never have a... Have, agreed to do a conversation without childcare, And so to have two women on here say it's a compliment because the readers or listeners can't see what I look like. But I'll tell you, I didn't sleep last night. So (laughs) to to have this kind of conversation with my child, talking about what I love with two women who are holding space for that, I'm so grateful for that right now, actually. That's that's community. So that's what I'm grateful for. It is. And it's still
1: healing. It's still helping others. You're still doing the work while carrying your little one, feeding it, you know. You get to hang it's out with them. You don't have to drive
2: anywhere. No, <laughs> it's, so I mean, it's amazing what is happening today. So that is what I'm grateful right. for. You two are awesome. It's really yeah, awesome it's what you're getting people to, to share what they do and, and feel pride, you know, and feel heard.
0: Yeah. It's really cool. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's all about showing up. You know, it doesn't matter if you slept or you didn't sleep, you just showed up and you provided a ton of amazing wisdom. So we're grateful for you.
2: Thank you so much. I'm grateful for you guys too. And thanks for uh, being flexible with me. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. And I'm going to get a succulent plant now.
2: Okay. Okay. will stay tuned. Take care guys. It was nice to talk
0: to you. Bye for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Love Yourself to Happiness show. If you like what you heard and you're interested to see if you're a fit to work with us, here's what to do next. Head over to mayaandmicaela.com forward slash apply. That's mayaandmicaela.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak with our team. We will get you on a call for about 45 minutes and we will work with you to craft a step-by-step game plan to uplevel your lifestyle, mindset, career and relationships and help you fill your cup so that you can be the best version of yourself. And we will get you clarity on three things. Number one, we will help you see what mindset shifts need to be made in your life. Number two, you will learn how to create a schedule so that your schedule can support your goals. And three, how to take action, take your life to the next level and thrive. We look forward to talking to you soon.